Welcome to Digisection, a podcast about building great digital health companies and the strategies behind them. My name's Oscar. I'm a physician, inventor, and entrepreneur, and I'll be your host. My guest today is Dr. Nayota Pia, a psychiatrist currently based in Washington, D.C. Previously, Dr. Pia practiced at Mount Sinai Beth Israel and then Columbia New York Presbyterian Hospital. She works now as the Behavioral Health Regional Lead and psychiatrist at Kermore Health. I'm planning a short series focus on mental health, and this episode is a great overview of the most important problems in this particular space. It also provides many interesting insights and perspectives on how psychiatry changed during the pandemic. Dr. Pia, thank you for joining today. Thank you for having me. May is the Mental Health Awareness Month. And in this episode, we're trying to understand how tech could help to make a real positive change for people with mental and behavioral health problems. Let's start with the most recent changes. Could you tell us more about the most common mental health problems seen during the pandemic? I would say over the past year, since the pandemic started, we've seen a significant number of patients coming in with generalized anxiety and sometimes knowing it's anxiety, sometimes presenting as physical symptoms that we work up and then later realize is really anxiety. We also have seen depression, a lot of just loneliness and social isolation, and I would say sometimes even more so than true, you know, full-on major depressive episode, um, the loneliness of being um, social distancing, working from home, not seeing family, things like that. And then I would also say a significant amount of grief, both in terms of, you know, the obvious loss mm -hmm. of life related to the pandemic, but also loss of employment, loss of just normal routines, things like that, that people are, I would characterize, showing more of a grief reaction. And then the other big one that has received a lot of attention in the news of late is substance, an increase in use of substances and subsequent you know, hospitalizations related to overdoses of, of substance use. So really, you know, those are the main things that we have seen presenting in both telehealth settings as well as in clinics around mental health and behavioral health conditions. Once talking about telehealth, could you talk to us about how your practice changed during the last 12 months? My practice changed drastically, really doing any virtual health. I think we had started kind of talking about moving into that space at some point, but we weren't offering any type of virtual visits other than occasional check-ins via the telephone. So we quickly pivoted in end of March, early April to um, initially full virtual health, virtual visits. And this was for both new patients or initial appointments, as well as all follow-up visits. It was a challenge. We had to pivot quickly. We had to get used to the new technology. You know, as a psychiatrist, I'm used to, and I enjoy seeing patients in person. I feel like there's a lot you get from that in-person interaction and your ability, particularly with new patients, to really get a sense of what's going on with them and their body language. So many things are different on a, in a video Uh, that being said, some of the positives that came out of it where you could see someone's living environment, you could see how they may sometimes engage with their family and, and just the space that they're living in. So that can add a different type of context 
um, to your, your evaluation, your treatment of the patient. But it was a significant change. Later in the fall of last year, we, we went to a hybrid model where we offered a combination of in-person as well as telehealth visits. And we found that for some patients, that was probably a better fit. It also allowed us to do things like physical exams and lab work. And again, just being able to physically see patients, um, which could be helpful at times, particularly when there were a lot of symptoms that the patient was experiencing. And how did your colleagues, um, other psychiatrists, adapt it to this new reality in which they're practicing? I think if we're taking a big picture perspective, I think we did adapt pretty well. And I always like to be mindful of the fact that as providers, we are also living in the pandemic. So the things that our patients were experiencing, we were also experiencing. So it was just new for everyone. But there were definitely some concerns expressed, I think, particularly in terms of the therapeutic relationship. Sitting on a video for an hour doing psychotherapy with a patient can be really challenging. So I think providers that were more focused on just doing short visits, med management visits, you could ask more pointed questions early on. I think we're more comfortable with the switch, whereas providers who were seeing patients more for psychotherapy, so you have longer, you know, 45-minute sessions or 55-minute sessions, were less comfortable in the beginning. I think the other concern that a lot of providers expressed, particularly those that were seeing patients who were elderly uh, was the concern about the ability of the patients to really interact or engage through the platforms that we were using. And how could we help people to make the first step in reaching out for help? Is there any piece of tech that could be used for it? So I, I think in general, tech does allow for easier access to care. Patients often, I find, are choosing, you know, am I going to have to take off from work? So if there's a patient who works, you know, has an hourly wage job and they, it's not easy to take time off to go to the doctor, they may put off their mental health or any kind of health care longer than they should. So this gives us an opportunity to be more flexible and engage around care. You know, I found that using both the video visits as well as also t just telephonic engagement can be helpful for those Sometimes we just need to do a touch point with a patient. It doesn't have to be a full visit. So we can have these times in between our normal visits where we can utilize those functions. I think it also just gives people flexibility in terms of how we can, again, see people in their full environment. There's so much you can gain as a provider in terms of the perspective that then will allow you to pull the patient and really develop that therapeutic alliance. You may see like an art piece on the wall and be able to talk about that. And sometimes for patients, that helps them feel more connected to the provider. There are a lot of ways that I think it could be helpful. The other thing is text platforms. So sometimes you can send a message along with the video to connect the patient. I think it's important though to have a platform that's really user-friendly. Again, you have not everyone is, is tech savvy on the provider and the patient side. So having platforms that make it easy for patients to connect with providers. Sometimes also the other big piece is just scheduling appointments. You know, for some clinics that are really busy, calling to make an appointment at a community mental health clinic might be a challenge at times because of staffing issues or just how busy they are. But if you can have a tech platform that allows the patient to schedule online, then they can get in easier to see their, their provider. So there are a lot of things, I think, that allow you to connect to patients or allow patients to be mindful of ways to connect with mental health care by using, you know, technology. You've mentioned texting patients, and I'd love to ask you, what were the other tech tools used in your daily practice in the last 12 months? 
I didn't do a whole lot of texting. There was Tiger Text, which was the organization. There's a way you can make the text secure text that I would sometimes use to text you know, information, like a summary of our appointment to the patient about medication changes. And so that became useful because it was secure. So the big thing is platforms need to be secure. So definitely not just texting on your cell phone. (laughs) Um, I mean, occasionally you may do it to say, like, just want to check in and make sure you're coming to the appointment, then documenting very clearly in the chart that they have consented to that mode of communication, but we try not to do too much um, over platforms that aren't secure. But Tiger Text worked really well in that case. I even saw someone use it in terms of being able to communicate the treatment plan in a way that the patient would then be able to remember beyond just the verbal um, communication. In this podcast, we're also trying to help young entrepreneurs and founders to understand what the world needs And what are the key problems to be solved? What would you say innovators should focus on when it comes to the field of psychiatry? So I think it's important to be able to have the opportunity to do video visits, virtual visits, but again, making the platforms really user-friendly, where if you can just say text a link to the patient and they click on the link and it opens to a video, and that was probably the most user-friendly for my patient population because it was easy. And sometimes if they didn't pick up the video, you could also call them at the same time. And that way, some patients, they you know, they kind of screamed. <laughs> Who's calling? Maybe a lot of us do that. So that way they kind of, you know, you have these two modes and then they'll say, oh, I'll pick up the video. And sometimes patients are, I had a patient that was at the car dealership. <laughs> So then I was like, can you pick up? So there are ways you can, you know, having that option, I think, to interchange between telephonic and video is really helpful for some patients, but really making it user-friendly where they don't have to download apps onto their phone, where you can either, you know, email a link or text through a secure platform and they can just click the link on and it opens up, I think is probably the main thing that I can think of. Okay. It allows us on the physician side or the clinician side to be productive. So we're not wasting time waiting for people to do things, especially if you're in a clinic, you know, where it's just you and an MA or there, you don't have a lot of staff that can do a lot of the front end, you know, helping the patient before the appointment starts, then you want to make it as user-friendly as possible for the provider. Mm-hmm. And are there any um, solutions that would be asynchronous for this contact? I wonder if patients do journaling or record their thoughts and, and symptoms are there currently any ways in which people can connect with a psychiatrist in a asynchronous way? I think it's much more difficult for smaller clinics just because a lot of the technologies it can be expensive. But for larger health systems where you have like patient portals, those are really great opportunities for that exact thing. So it is helpful for someone if they're mm-hmm. journaling or they're doing some type of CBT homework to be able to show that to the provider, absolutely, you know, using a patient portal. Patients can text you on Tiger Text, so that could be another option. It goes away after a while, but the message, but it could be another way that you could allow patients to share with you so in an asynchronous way. And that is extremely helpful. It does cut down on the time in the session when you're waiting for people to pull things up. I think that would be the other piece I would say is think something that can cut down on that allows you to spend the most time with the patient in the room or on video, as opposed to, you know, getting things together to discuss during the session, um, if that makes sense. Sure. 
I mean, I totally agree that tech should help us in cutting down on the administrative work mm -hmm. and give us, the providers, more time for what matters. Dr. Pia, thank you for this great conversation and for joining us today. Thank you for having me.